This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I didn't know what to expect. We had never been a part of a church that had done one. Um, But I knew that the staff had said that we'd be engaging with God and able to connect with other people. And we thought it was a good way to really jump on board at the church. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know what to expect either. But uh, just from the the churches that we've been to in the past, you just showed up on Sundays and uh, listened to the sermon, uh, worshipped, and went home and maybe you know met and had some fellowship with people, but we've never done anything with a church that really brought uh, the congregation together on, on one one thing, and uh, that's just an amazing part of the, the Ready program. We both did um, some of the behind-the-scenes work. Um, I did the phone calling for... Um, some of the meetings that Ron had set up and it was a nice way to get to talk to lots of people at the church and once I knew their names to put faces to them um, when we were actually there on Sunday and it was just it felt like you were a part of a team and working together and I think to this day it's helped us to do um, just have more of a service mindset. I think we felt like we really belonged at New Life. We'd been attending for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I think when you really get to know the other people and spend a lot of time with them and work on a project together um, and have that accomplishment you know, with other people that you just feel like you belong. And it was, it was a nice way for us to you know, meet people that we'll be friends with for life. Through this, I mean, it really plugged us into the church and having a common goal, uh, a common large project that really brought everyone, almost everyone in the church in together really made you feel like a team. And uh, I think really, not just for us, but I think for a lot of other people, uh, really brought everyone closer. It helped us to become closer and to make sure that we're leading our children the way that God would want us to. And we were a lot more intentional about everything. Absolutely. Just more of the same. I mean, now we have a, a much larger church, and it's it's really exciting to me to know that what we went through and uh, what the 150 or 200 people the first time through, we're now going to have a much larger group get that same that same experience, that same excitement. And I, I really hope that they uh, they stick with the prayer journals. Uh, I know I didn't go through every single day. There was a couple days where I probably did three days worth all in one shot. But you know, I, I, I did manage to to finish on time, or maybe a day late. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really, really uh, am excited for for especially anyone who's really new to new life. It's just going to be a great a great time for them. I think everyone should get involved in one of the teams um, because it is a great way to just 
start the process of becoming truly involved at church and um, when you're around the people that are most dedicated then you get the feel for the church and what they stand for and New Life has great integrity and just some wonderful people and if everyone would just step out of their comfort zone a little bit I think they'll get to connect with, with people that can envelop them in life. Those are some very interesting thoughts from a spiritual journey that took place three years ago. And I hadn't realized that that's Jason and Julie Reese. And I had uh, it totally had it slipped off my radar. But when I sat down with Jason and Julie recently, they reminded me that it was three years ago. They had just come to the church prior to that and didn't really know how to get involved and really didn't know, had never really been on a spiritual journey with God. And that was what really locked them in. And who would have thought that three years later they would be one of the people working behind the scenes. We have 13 teams of people working, and Jason and Julie are working with half of those teams on a personal basis directing what goes on behind the scenes along with another couple, Max and Kim Dreyer, whom you will hear from later. So welcome to church. Welcome to the great adventure. I know I'm, I'm on that great adventure with God as well. And... Uh, my name is Ron, and for those of you who are new to New Life, um, you've stepped into the middle of a great adventure. It's a little bit like jumping on a roller coaster that's uh, halfway through its, uh, its uh, cycle. So uh, I just want to encourage you to catch up to speed if you can. Uh, Bob mentioned to you earlier on the back tables you can pick up a prayer guide. It is okay to jump into the prayer guide on day 15, which would be tomorrow. So that's okay. Uh, there's lots of good stuff remaining, uh, another 20 days of prayer. So uh, jump in on that, enjoy that, and um, I, I know that it'll be a challenge to you. It certainly is a challenge to me every single day to pick that up. And, and then I also get encouraged knowing that there are hundreds of others in the church who are on this focused and intentional journey with God. And if you look back three years and you realize that um, it was a smaller group of people that God called on that journey and hopefully uh, through that journey God was going to take us to some space that we could lease somewhere and build out and be in an interim campus for four or five years, maybe ten years at the most. And then eventually God would take us to a home of our own and... Uh, you know, little did we know that when we got hooked up with God, that God was going to do something through us that none of us could have imagined, and He was going to take us directly to a home of our own, and that's why we're here this morning, and not in some leased facility somewhere, even though we would have been happy with that. God had a better and different plan for us. So who knows what He's going to do with the great adventure? Um, I'm quite sure he's going to do more through the great adventure than any of us think right up front because that's the great thing about being on an adventure with God. On the inside of your programs, you will find a half sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes. I invite you to take those out now and uh, work your way uh, through those. 
and then at least once during the week, pull it back out and read through it. Because I can tell you right up front, there are six sermons in this series called The Great Adventure, and uh, my gut feel and, and everything God revealed to me this week as I was praying about this sermon and working on this sermon is that this particular message is the most important one of the entire six. That doesn't mean you get to take the next two or three weeks off. I didn't say it tell you to you for that reason. But it is extremely important because in a way, all the other messages from this series are going to kind of hang on this one and, and jump on its coattails and ride um, the, the concepts that I'm going to talk to you about this morning in terms of this great adventure of faith. You see, it begins with an incredible reality. And when I say incredible, you know, we live in a country that has at least a Christian history, uh, certainly a Christian background, and so heavily influenced by the Judeo-Christian ethic that we don't realize that a lot of our common perspective every day in life just kind of naturally comes out of that, and we've never known what it was like to be without that. And the, the fundamental teaching of all of Scripture with regard to man and God is this. And that is the God who spoke the worlds into existence. The God who's so powerful and so wise and so mighty that He could literally design all of the ecosystems in our world and speak them into existence in a few days' time. The God who's the ruler of heaven. The God in whom everything exists. Listen to this. That God wants to have a personal relationship with each of us individually. He actually wants to be friends with us. That's pretty incredible reality. Do you realize that's unique to Christianity? The polytheistic religions of our world will teach you if you don't do the right things that territorial God will take it out on you but there's no such thing as a God who actually wants to come into your life and to take the journey of life with you. If I had the time this morning, I could walk through each of the major religions of the world today and I can tell you that none of them will teach you that the God who created the heavens and the earth actually wants to come live in your heart and be your friend. Now, based on that reality, which is in virtually every page of the Bible, based on that reality, I want to talk to you this morning about the journey of faith. And we're going to look at it through the life of one of the Bible's most famous characters. His name is Abraham. And we're going to look at just four excerpts from Scripture about Abraham's life because there are many chapters in the Bible about Abraham, but we're just going to look at four short excerpts from the Bible about his life. Look at a principle that comes out of each one, and then we're going to move into learning five lessons of faith that come out of the life of Abraham. 
So let's take a look at these four excerpts from the Bible about Abraham's life. The first one is this. In Romans chapter 4, the Bible says that Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith. Wow. If you wanted to underline something in there, underline that phrase, father of all those who have faith. Abraham was the original father of faith. Here's how I wrote the principle. Abraham's the original role model for the faith that God desires. Now, we live in a world that continually talks about role models and continually comes up short when it comes to role models, right? Seems like everybody we put up on the pedestal and say, you know, I want to be like Mike. Well, Mike has a few problems in life that we'd rather not be like. Or I want to be like you, whoever you put up there. We struggle with that. Well, the Bible takes this guy, Abraham, and and doesn't elevate him on a pedestal in terms of making him God or somebody to worship. But God puts Abraham up there and says, Okay, everybody, look at this guy, because I want you to learn how to walk by faith exactly like he walked by faith. Because although Abraham had some problems in life, he was a terrific role model for what it means to experience the adventure of faith with God. Scripture number two is this. God said to Abraham, I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Now you can underline that phrase, father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you extremely fruitful, Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. That's a pretty great promise, don't you think? Basically, God says, Abraham, you are going to be one famous dude. You're going to be the father of many nations. Kings are going to come from you, and so forth. Now, here's the incredible part of that promise. Take a look. Abraham was how old? 99 years old when God made this promise to him. And his wife Sarah was what? Unable to conceive. You think buying that bird was a long shot to win the Kentucky Derby? And it was. I'm telling you, anybody that walks up to somebody who's 99 and says, Hey man, you are going to be the father of many nations and your wife is unable to conceive, somebody out there is dreaming big. And yet, that's what God said. And you know what's even more amazing? Abraham believed him. Scripture number three. God said, I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a what? As a foreigner, I'm going to give you the entire land to you and to your descendants. And if I took you to a few other places in Scripture, you would find out that when God made that promise, He actually used the word inheritance. So He's basically saying to Abraham, you are going to inherit this land. Now, check this out, this fact. The land was promised to Abraham as an inheritance, even though he had no relatives living in it. That's that's kind of a big deal, don't you think? It's one thing if God comes to me and says, Hey, Ron, you know all that land that your parents own? I'm going to give that to you as an inheritance. I can get on board with that. 
And even if God stretched it out a little bit and said, you know, the land surrounding the land that your parents currently own, I'm going to give you that land as an inheritance. But if God comes up to me and says, hey, Ron, look out here. You know, I'm going to give you all this land as an inheritance. I'm going to ask God, uh, who from? Right? And yet, check this out. The Bible says, Abraham believed what God said. Wow. Let's go to the fourth scripture. Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his home and to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. I do that all the time, just not the promise of God, right? He went without knowing where he was going. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by whom? Wow. Think about this. When Abraham left his hometown, here's the principle. He went to an undisclosed location. In order to receive God's promise, Abraham actually had to leave his hometown and his home country. He had to journey to an undisclosed location. Now, by the way, if we do a little research, we find out when God made that promise to Abraham and and sent him on that journey, he was about 70 to 75 years of age. So he gets this this call from God and he goes home to Sarah, who, who was 10 years his junior. So Sarah was a spring chicken of about 65 And he says, hey, babe, guess what? I got a vision from God today. Oh, bless you, Abraham. And guess what God said? God said, pack up. We are moving. Really? Yeah, that's what God said. We're moving. Where are we going? Well, he didn't say. (laughs) He what? No, he didn't say. What did he say? Well, he said that if you and I would pack and we would hit the road and just go wherever he said to go, that he would eventually take us to a city whose builder and maker was none none less than God himself. Yeah, you got any idea where that is? None. He didn't say. Well, how are we going to live? He goes, can you spell tent? Yeah. Abraham and Sarah packed up everything they owned. And by the way, if if you were to do research into the city where they came from, it was a wealthy city, and and, and, and they probably lived in a very nice house. And they sold their house, and they bought a tent, and Abraham and Sarah lived the rest of their lives in a tent. How do you think it went when they were saying goodbye to their friends? So where are you guys going again? I don't know. Wherever God leads. Bless you. (laughs) Yeah. Now there were days when it didn't go real well. And you know, it's hard for us to grasp what it's like to be on that kind of a journey with God. You suppose Abraham ever talked to himself? What in the world was I thinking? Take a look at the following video that just kind of transports this whole thing into the day and age in which you and I live. 
This is not a well-planned life. It's not the life I planned. House in the suburbs, two kids, a dog, private schools, tennis, swimming, college. I've made investments, traded stock, built portfolios, given to charity. For what? There hasn't been a telephone pole for miles, let alone a cell signal. I could use a hot shower. I'd even settle for a cold glass of water straight from the tap and a clean pair of jeans. What am I doing? There was adventure enough for me in this city. The online banking, Chinese takeout, vitamins, and assets. A little bowl of ice cream during the 10 o'clock news. I've worked hard. I've done my time. Don't I deserve a little rest, a little comfort, security? And what about Sarah? This is not the life I promised her. <sighs> a lifetime of labor, Lord. But you've led me here. For what? You're not a gas station for miles on this dirt road that runs from nowhere to nowhere. There's only one thing I know, Lord. There's no going back. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to get there if I turned around. So I'll just keep moving forward. You know and I know you got me here for a reason. And I'll never be the same. wasn't uh, a very easy call to get from God, do you think? Tough call. But that's where Abraham and Sarah lived. And because they lived there and because they spent the rest of their life living there and believing every promise that God made, God says, he took Abraham, puts him up on the pedestal and says, I want everybody to look at him because I want you to learn how to live like Abraham lived. Because boy, he walked by faith. There are five lessons that we can learn about faith from, from this short look and glimpse into the life of Abraham. And let's take a look at them. First one is this. The adventure of faith begins by believing that God wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. That's where the adventure of faith begins. You see, Abraham was just an ordinary citizen of his hometown. He wasn't a big shot. He wasn't anybody that particularly had a lot of talent. In fact, you can read the Bible from cover to cover and you won't find a single mention of any real talent that Abraham had. He's pretty much an ordinary guy. And God called him and said, Abraham, I want to do something extraordinary through you. And he got on board and said, you know something? I believe that God wants to do something extraordinary through me. I, here's newsflash, okay? God doesn't create some people to be extraordinary and other people to be less than ordinary. God creates everybody ordinary. 
well, have varying degrees of talents and different kinds of talents and, and different kinds of potentials and possibilities. But the bottom line is everybody who's born is born ordinary. But the overwhelming message of Scripture is that no matter how ordinary you are, if you will dare to take your hand and put it in the hand of God, He can and will do extraordinary things through you and in you. That, my friends, is the journey of faith. That's why we go on 35 days of prayer and pray that same prayer every, every day. Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will in this church and in our community? And we pray that with an understanding and a belief that God's not going to do just ordinary things through us to accomplish his will here, but he's going to do extraordinary things through us that maybe other people don't understand, but that's okay. Most people didn't really understand Abraham and Sarah when they left, but it's okay. God did extraordinary things through them. Principle number two is this. The adventure of faith begins with God and not us. Friends, you try as hard as you want to, but you cannot make yourself extraordinary for God. You can get out your image and polish it up. You can get out your daily schedule and you can get yourself regimented on a spiritual regimen that regiment that would make a you know that would make a, a, a monk look unspiritual. Where every day you're spending hours in God's word and every day you're doing all this stuff, but if you do it from the standpoint of I will become someone extraordinary for God, you will have missed one of the basic teachings of Scripture, and that is the extraordinary things that take place in this world are things that God does through people, not things that people do for God. The journey of faith, the adventure of faith, begins with a connection with God. And then God begins to do His extraordinary things through us. It was that way with Abraham, and it will be that way with us. Believe me, Abraham did not get up one morning and say, Hey, Sarah, I got an idea. Let's go do something for God, okay? Let's sell our house, live in a tent, and let's go look for a city whose builder and maker is God. I think he'd be really impressed with that, don't you? No, no. You see, it started with a connection with God, and then God called Abraham to do that. It'll be that same way with you and me. That's one of the great things about a focused journey of prayer. A little bit later on this year, we're going to go on another focused journey, a thing called I worship. And, and as a church, we're going to we're going to learn how to worship even better than we do today. And we're going to go on 21 days of worship later on in the year. Why? Because it's as we connect with God during these consistent and extended times that we give God free and open access to our lives and to our hearts. And when we get connected with God, then He can do anything He wants to. Principle number three is this. The adventure of faith takes place only after we obey God's instructions. Circle, underline, highlight, whatever you want, the word after. You see, that's the deal. 
in so many ways, I, I don't want you to ever forget this illustration, but in so many ways, life is like a Coke machine. All right? You can stand in front of it all day long and say, when I get my Coke out, I'll put my money in. How long are you going to stand there? Long time. Because it only works. You put your money in first, and then the Coke comes out. By the way, God says the same thing. I'm going to give you some instructions, and and, and attached to the instructions are going to be wonderful promises. But here's how it works. You obey the instructions first, and then the promises come. And if you think it works the other way, when God makes me rich, then I will... Don't hold your breath. Okay? Because you're trying to get the promise first before the obedience. And the journey of faith. Abraham... By the way, you ever think about what would have happened to Abraham and Sarah if he had said, no deal. I'm just going to pray to God right here in the Ur of Chaldees. No tent for me. Sarah and I are pretty happy right here. Well, guess what? Abraham and Sarah would have died pretty happy, but they would have been, they would have died in anonymity, and God would have never done anything extraordinary through them. You would never have read about them, and neither would I. They would have just been two more people in Ur. But because they chose to walk with God, God did amazing and extraordinary things in their lives. Principle number four. The adventure of faith is about God's purposes and not about our worthiness. See, one of the first questions that comes to mind, it comes to every single person's mind when the pastor stands on on the platform and says, guess what? God wants to do something extraordinary through us. We all look in the mirror and go, are you sure? Why would a holy God... Why would an all-powerful God decide to do anything extraordinary through me? Because i got some problems in my life. Well, guess what? Abraham had a few problems in his life. He lied. He actually loaned his wife, hoping that the guy he loaned her to wouldn't sleep with her. That's pretty low, don't you think? I mean, I've had a number of people tell me, I'll share with you anything that I own except for two things, my wife and my toothbrush. Right? Abraham was only one out of two in that list. He had some serious problems in his household. There was some real fighting. So much fighting that one time, a whole portion of his household decided to go on strike and they walked out of his house. Now, now think about this with me for a minute. This is the guy that God sets up on, on the pedestal and says, I want you to learn how to walk by faith like this guy. Friends, if there's any message in that for you and me, it's that when God decides to do something extraordinary, He doesn't look down from, from, from heaven and say, let me find someone who's perfect or nearly so. You know what He's looking for? He's looking for somebody who's willing to be used and to take a risk in the name of God. And friends, that could be any of us. 
Now, he'll go to work on our, the areas of struggle that we have in life, but he's not going to choose us because we are more holy or more righteous than the person sitting next to us. With God, it's all about humility and availability. It's not about how you can get yourself qualified for him. And number five is this. The adventure of faith is a wonderful privilege. And friends, it certainly is. I'm sure that there were days when Abraham was talking to himself, and I know there were days when Sarah was talking to him. (laughs) That city whose builder and maker is God, does it look anything like this tent? I'm sure she asked him that a few times. You sure you heard that from God? Yeah. But you know, at any point in the journey, if you had interviewed Abraham and said, Abraham, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it differently? I can tell you Abraham would have said, no, I wouldn't do it any differently because the greatest adventure of my life was following God where he told me to go. Yeah. give you a couple of minutes to apply this to the great adventure where we are. If we were to walk back through this, lesson number one was this extraordinary thing that God wants to do through ordinary people. That's the whole basis of the great adventure. Three years ago, there was a group of ordinary people who dared to pray, actually pretty much that same prayer, and to pray it for several weeks in a row and to make ourselves available to God. And what God did was something he hadn't chosen to do in any church in our town in 70 years. doesn't mean we're better than any church in our town. I did not say that. Remember, it's not about our worthiness. It's about what? It's about God's purposes. Okay? The same thing is true today. Ordinary, just a large group of ordinary people. If we will dare to connect with God and say, God, do something extraordinary through me because I understand that the journey of faith is not about an extraordinary God doing ordinary things through ordinary people. The journey of faith is an extraordinary God doing what kind of things? Extraordinary things through ordinary people. The second lesson that we learned was this. And that is, this journey begins with God, not with us. That's why 35 days of prayer. And that's why, whether it's Bob or myself or anybody else, your life group leaders, are going to continually encourage you, get connected with God over these 35 days. Because if there's no connection with God, nothing extraordinary happens. It's just ordinary people doing ordinary things. The third thing we learned was it wasn't about our worthiness. It was about God's purpose. And that's why, what is our prayer? Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will? Yeah, it's about God's purposes. And the fourth lesson we learned was this, the adventure of faith. I'm sorry. Thank you. The third one was the adventure of faith takes place only after we obey God's instructions. As we pray and connect with God, God will give us very specific instructions. In fact, at our vision uh, event tonight, I'm going to speak to you about how to receive those instructions and what they might look like. 
And, and it's only after we hear God's voice and receive His instructions and walk in obedience to Him that God can and will do extraordinary things. And last of all, it's a great privilege. It is a great privilege. A scary privilege at times. A privilege filled with struggle at times. But yes, a great privilege. As we close, I want to tell you a true story. Three years ago, as we began a journey that you saw on the video that was called Ready, which eventually ended up with us being in this particular campus. We were all encouraged to pray the prayer, and we were all encouraged to seek God, and we were all encouraged to believe that God would do something extraordinary through us. And I remember standing in front of the church after a year had gone by, and people had already made very significant contributions to the church, and they had made, uh, they had pledged very significant contributions to the church, and we'd located this piece of property, and we already had a conditional use permit, and all those sorts of things. I remembered, sta- I remember standing in front of the church and, and saying to them, um, "We have a very significant challenge ahead of us, and the challenge is this: we've cut everything out of the design of the church that we." possibly can. There's nothing left in there except for bare, bare, bare bones stuff. And still, we are $600,000 short of what it takes to be in that building, and we have only three weeks for that to happen. And I said, I'm not telling you we have to go out and find that, but what I am telling you is this. If God doesn't work in and through us to close that $600,000 gap, and if He doesn't do it in only three weeks, we have to be willing to walk away from the building and be okay with that. Well, I can tell you it got real quiet in there that morning. That, that was not great news. By the way, if God's had a year to do it and He hasn't done it, you know, you only got three weeks, doesn't look real good, does it? So I preached whatever God had told me to preach that Sunday, and I sent everybody home. And, you know, I, I, what was going on in my mind was scary, all right? And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, God, you've got to help me lead these people through a period of great disappointment because we've had a year to work on this, and if we're still $600,000 out and we've only got three weeks to go, you know, it's, it's not looking real likely. So, you know, God help me with that. I got a phone call. It was a couple that wanted to come in and meet with me. And, and I honestly had no clue what they wanted to meet with me about. And so I scheduled a time. They came in and they said, we have a story to tell you. And they had made a very significant pledge uh, to the church through the Ready Spiritual Journey. In fact, it was a $100,000 pledge that they had made, which was a very significant one. And we were one year into the journey, and they had already contributed $33,000, and they had 67 yet to go. And, and the husband, after I had said what I said to the church, why well, he said to his wife, I think you and I should pray. Because I think God's going to want to use us in some way. Plus, we still have $67,000 to go, and we could always use prayer on that. So let's pray every day for the, for, for the remainder of this time and see how God would use us. And then he said to his wife, he said, You know, I, I, I've got a little unexpected inheritance that's supposed to come, probably not all that big, but whatever it is, could we just 
agree that we will give it to the church to help close that $600,000 gap. And they're thinking, you know, it's five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. So they pray every day, and three days later, they get a notice in the mail, and the inheritance is actually $300,000. Wow. Now, they had a choice to make. And you know the choice that they made? They said to me, we want to give it all to the church. Now think with me about that for just a minute. You know how important that decision is? Friends, if they had made the decision the other way, you and I wouldn't be sitting in this building today. That's the honest truth. I said to them, are you sure you want to do this? And they said, absolutely sure. Because God brought that when we were praying specifically about this project. And that money doesn't belong to us. I don't care where it came from. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. You know, we don't all get that opportunity. But here's what I want you to see. I know one of the reasons that they got that opportunity is because they decided to put themselves in a position to hear God and for God to work through them. And you know, I know that some, we, we would all like to think, oh man, I wish God would do that through me. But the truth is, and I don't mean this as a put down to anybody, but the truth is that there are probably many of us in the church that if God had given us that $300,000, it would be in an IRA somewhere. And so he knew he couldn't trust us with that. But that particular couple is a modern-day Abraham and Sarah. They did something out of obedience to God that most of us would find a huge, huge challenge to do. And they decided to take that journey of faith, to walk with God. And they got the joy of being able to contribute in ways they never dreamed possible because they took that journey of faith with God. You know what my prayer is for all of us? To me, it wouldn't make any difference if it was $300,000 or $30,000 or $3,000. If we connect with God and say, God, would would you work through me and trust me with the largest amount that you know I'll actually turn over to you. I want to know the joy and the privilege of being able to have you supply that through me. Friends, that's a fun place to be, and it's a great place to be. I want to pray, and I want you to be challenged by a song from the worship team. Father, you have said in your word that we walk by faith and not by sight. And and God, as we've looked at these five lessons of faith this morning, there's not a person sitting here that isn't challenged by those five because in many ways they flow against our nature to trust ourselves and to live for ourselves. Father, thank you for Abraham and Sarah who packed up their bags and went on a journey with you and got the greatest adventure of their life. 
God, would you help us, spiritually speaking, to pack up our bags, go on a great journey and a great adventure with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.